Now, I'd like to start with a couple of numbers that you've been able to put out. Currently, there's 2.8 million informal carers in Australia who put in 2.2 billion hours of unpaid care a year. Those, those are pretty incredible numbers. They really are, and I think it's so often an invisible part of things, you know, caregiving that's happening in our society. People often don't realise what a huge contribution to volunteering informal carers are, are making in our communities. And it's obviously, when you're putting in that amount of time, it can take quite significant mental toll. How does that come up on people? Is that a gradual thing? Look, it can be definitely a gradual thing. And I think often when people take on care, it starts off with something small. And over a period of time, somebody's condition might deteriorate, particularly with things like dementia, for example, which we know often gets worse over time. Sometimes it can be quite sudden if an accident or something really acute happens. But in either case, we, we do know that caregivers are a particularly high-risk group for uh, issues arising around their own health and wellbeing when they care. Absolutely. And it can be because it is such a sort of a taxing thing to take on and I suppose emotionally taxing as well. I'm particularly interested, you did highlight the issue of isolation. I'm just wondering how does that occur when you are obviously taking care of someone, person for a significant amount of time? Where does that isolation creep in? It tends to be, I think, a lot around the difficulties going out together you know, it, like you might have previously done. And we particularly see this, a lot of my research has been around spousal care, so partners where one person begins caring for another in later life. And so you might have previously had social activities or things that you used to do together. And because of reasons of frailty, disability, illness, it can sometimes mean that it becomes more complex to get out and about. And often caregivers will end up slowly but surely reducing their own social connections and their own activities that they used to do in order to provide care and support to the person that's at home with them. So it, it often is a very gradual thing where slowly uh, the normal things that people do to look after themselves and to get out and keep connected slowly start to erode away over time. And it is amazing because that is a really selfless thing to do, to be giving care to these people, but it, um, we can see that it does eat away at those other things, like you mentioned, the social time. Are we aware of how old the average carer is in Australia? Is there like an average, is there a portion of people who I suppose like are kids or teenagers who are taking care of perhaps parents? There are, caregivers actually range right across all age groups, really. We have uh, younger carers caring for parents, right through to older adults. But interestingly, older adults actually provide some of the, the biggest contributions to informal care because they often care for grandchildren. Um, they can sometimes still be caring for their own children with disabilities. And increasingly, as people live longer, we're actually seeing that people who are in their 60s and 70s themselves are, are caring now for their parents who are still alive in their 80s and 90s and beyond. Mm. So... That kind of intergenerational care, because we live longer, we're really seeing that um, that people are caring right across the life course. But it increases rapidly the older that uh, people get. So yes, it, it does tend to sway a lot toward older adults providing a lot of care. Right. So it is, I suppose. And you hear about these things like the sandwich generation, people who have kids yeah. to look after themselves and older parents as well. And that's sort of a really difficult situation in some cases. Absolutely. Your research is also looking particularly at people in regional and rural areas. Are there additional barriers that these carers face when they're actually trying to access services? Yeah, really are. And I think that happens for a few reasons. Um, one of them is that often when policy develops or funding arrangements are uh, uh, developed for supporting carers, they often happen by people in cities, for people in cities. And so there are a lot of assumptions that are made that people live in close proximity to services so that things are you know, just nearby, that there'll be a range of things that you can choose from. And unfortunately for people in rural and regional areas, we're not, we don't always have that luxury. You know, It can be quite a big travelling distance to reach services, 
family and friends don't necessarily live in the same locations. We see a lot of younger generations moving away from rural and regional areas. And all of those things can tend to make it a lot harder to have other people and other formal supports around to help. So we definitely see uh, carers in rural and regional areas doing a much greater proportion of caring. Right. And it is, I suppose, given that we are trying to create a situation where it is, I suppose, equitable for all people in all areas, the access to support services, and you've detailed in your research things like online service supports or even in-person supports, obviously in the pandemic we are, I suppose, relying on the online supports a bit more. Is there a value that they provide that uh, informal care just can't provide? Look, that's exactly what we're hoping to find out with this research, which is, we're, you know, historically, carer support groups have involved people getting together face-to-face, so often things like a monthly meeting at a cafe or some kind of social get-together where people would go out and about to support one another in communities. But one of the things that we're finding is that so many of those have stopped um, and they haven't adapted into the online spaces with the pandemic and even before that with the bushfires. So many communities were really impacted and face-to-face support the something that hasn't been as readily available over the past two years. So really what I'm curious to know with this research is, you know, what are people still doing in terms of their face-to-face? But what about the online space? Is there possibly a way that we can help create something that will be um, a, a place where caregivers can come together, access information, connect with other caregivers and, um, and see whether that can provide as much value as a face-to-face kind of contact might be able to do to help reduce the stress associated with caregiving. Well, yeah, and it's interesting that you say that the online ability to connect has sort of diminished quite significantly during the pandemic. Is that perhaps um, one of the areas you're looking at that the issue might be an access to online services in regional and rural areas? Access to services is definitely a big problem for people in rural communities. We know that connectivity um, is an issue, but digital literacy um, also for older adults can sometimes be a bit of an issue. We're increasingly seeing older adults um, take up technologies and have much greater access to devices, but there are still fairly large subgroups of the older adult population who don't have that kind of connection and, um, you know, don't necessarily have devices at home. So it's been a little bit trickier for them to, to navigate into that space without already having things set up at home. So it's something that we're really wanting to explore a little bit more about, you know, is this something that might work for this group and for this demographic? Because if, you know, obviously we we hope that we're all going to be out of these pandemic restrictions soon, but we still have other issues for rural Australians of geographic distance anyway. So we're kind of hoping that beyond the pandemic and, you know, beyond bushfires, dare I say, that, um, you know, that we're going to find other ways people can connect over distance as well, not just about, um, you know, the lockdowns. Dr Cash, thank you so much for, I suppose, shining a light into some of those areas. No, absolute pleasure. It's always wonderful to talk to people about this issue.